Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 239. I am your host, Jared White. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Let's Elden that ring. Let's Elden that ring. Um, I can't wait to get to... Obviously, I don't think we'll talk as extensively at the end of the show as we did last week, because we're... I kind of want to save the big discussion for a spoiler mode that we'll do eventually, uh, but I do have some nuggets I want to share with you and see if we've uh, come across the same things. But until then, we have some news to get to, Dom. Um, some interesting stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to mention at the top of the show is there's some serious allegations with, well, I mean, additional stuff with uh, Activision Blizzard and also some additional stuff with Sony in terms of sexual harassment and that. Uh, so we're not going to be covering on this week's show, but I do suggest if you are following games industry news and want to know more, there's plenty of people reporting on it. They covered it on the Kind of Funny Games cast if you watch that. I'm sure there's numerous articles covering the uh, severe allegations and uh, issues that Sony is uh, caught under fire with so definitely look in, into that uh, but for us we're going to be covering all the other stuff uh, the less important news if we're being honest um, but we'll start off here there was a state of play that happened the day before a recording which was on March 9th um, it was Japanese centric uh, the biggest news headlines out of it were there were two new Square Enix games announced uh, the Dio Field Chronicles, which is a XCOM tactics RPG style looking game, and uh, Valkyrie Dystopia or something like that. I sorry, I didn't write yeah. down the names. The reason we're not covering it too extensively is because the state of play wasn't for us. Uh, if you're into those type of Japanese style games, I think it was a, a solid showing. But for you and I, there wasn't much there. Uh, the biggest uh, announcement, I think, generally was the Returnal DLC, which is an update. It's a 3.0 update called Returnal Ascension, which adds co-op, which is huge because uh, not only does it add a new way to play for people who love that game, but for people who maybe struggled with the difficulty, it adds in a way for you to get through it, provided you have somebody you want to play through the game with. So that's really neat. And there is a new survival mode called the Tower of Sisyphus, which if you're unfamiliar with the mythology, Sisyphus climbed up... a I believe it was a tower. Um, and obviously the main character talks about that of like, she's kind of on the same quest as Sisyphus. Um, there's a new game show, uh, sorry, new gun shown off in new uh, environments, which is dope. Um, other than that, pretty run of the most state of the play, nothing too crazy or exciting. Um, so we're not going to really cover that too extensively. I don't know if you have anything to add there, Dom. No, we saw a little more, um, oh, I almost said ghost of Tsushima, but no, Ghostwire Tokyo, and then even since then, there's been some more demos that have been put out. Now I'm starting to come around. Um, I'm still like a little hesitant on that one, but I, I think it's a cool vibe, like this spooky action game in Tokyo. I don't know something about it. Um, I think it might. I think I might stay interested in it. We start. We're starting to see more of it finally. So it's kind of there's something that we, it seemed like it got forgotten about for a while after it was first announced a couple of years ago, but now finally we're seeing some more of it. And I'm, and I'm personally starting to get a little excited. I know it's not lighting the world on fire necessarily, but I think it looks cool. I think Sony's marketing plan for it leads me to believe they're kind of worried about its nicheness in terms of its selling because we had that 20 minute presentation, right? For it. And then it's popping up again in this. So it seems like they're constantly wanting to remind people that the game's coming out. It does look cool. I don't know if it's necessarily up my bag. I, I With Tango Gameworks obviously now being under Microsoft, I kind of want them to lean more into the Evil Within stuff and not necessarily this. But if this game score is high enough, I'll definitely check it out when it comes to uh, Xbox, I'm assuming in a year from now, kind of like what happened with Deathloop. But it does look very intriguing, especially for people uh, who love those Japanese horror games. Um, that also means so that, we're, we're coming up on a year, I think, of Deathloop. Because I think it came out last May. I'm not mistaken. No. Oh, no. no. That game came out in the fall. It, you know what? I think it was pretty originally sure. May, and it got delayed to like September. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that game came out in September, October. No, uh, I'm, I'm doing some research real quick. Let's see. Yeah. yeah, September 14th. It came out a week before my birthday. Okay. So, yeah. I think you were right, though. I think the original date was like April, May, and then it got delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of... Well, I don't know. Is it? Did Gotham Knights ever have an actual release date? It was just vaguely 2021, right? And then it got pushed yeah. to 2022. Yeah, I don't think they even had a window more so, more than or more specific than 2021. 
now that's changed. We uh, thanks to the official Gotham Knights Twitter account, we got the release date. It's coming out October twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. If you would have asked me two weeks ago if I was excited for this game, I'd have told you, eh, not really. But coming off of the hype of the Batman, uh, and obviously, uh, all of the stuff that was teased in that movie to some extent, I'm just really in a Batman mood and Gotham Knights. Yeah. I mean, barring it, like, having a total collapse in terms of reviews, as long as the reviews, like, good to great, I'm definitely interested. And obviously, if it's great, it's a no question for me. I'm just glad we have a date. I'm still unsure if it'll hit that date because I could totally see it getting pushed to spring of next year because, like, we just finished mentioning, this is its first, like, solid release date, you know? If this was getting pushed from May of this year to October, I'd feel a little bit different. I hope it makes the release date. Um... And I'm not, you know, putting a curse on it by any means, but it's we're starting to get into those months where we're getting all the, the release dates for the year. So it's nice to see. I just am curious to see how many of them hit those dates moving forward. But uh, obviously yeah. you're a bigger Batman fan than I am. What does Gotham Knights mean to you now that it has a release date? Yeah, oh, hell yeah. Let's go. I mean, yeah, like you said, um, I have some hesitations about this, but as long as it's at least, you know, good, you know, like sevens, then... I'm going to play the shit out of it. That being said, this almost feels like a little bit of a marketing decision. It's my fear of announcing, (laughs) you know, getting the release date out now when people are, like you just said, kind of hyped up because of the movie that just came out. And maybe that'll kind of elevate, you know, the news around this game. And so I'm hoping that that's not the case and that it's purely a, um, a logistic project planning type of date. And this is when they actually think it can come out instead of when, uh, when Warner brothers told them this is what you're not, when you're announcing it's coming out. Um, Cause I, when we last talked with uh, Chris and we did all our predictions for the year, I'm pretty sure one of mine was that Gotham Knights would definitely not come out this year. <laughs> and I still kind of feel like I'm right. I think it's going to get delayed. It's just a matter of, you know, is it going to get delayed into December um, or into the the following year, 2023. So hopefully it sticks with October. I, that's a great time. With all the creepiness in that game revolving around the Court of Owls, it coming out a, a week before Halloween is a pretty good call too. So, so speaking of that, and I'm sure there's a thousand Reddit, Reddit threads and people asking this question already, but uh, in the past couple of years, I've been uh, reading a bunch of Batman comics, but I've not touched court, any Court of Owls stuff yet. Um so the natural question is, do you read the comics before this game or just start with the game? I guess like that's going to be easier to answer like once the game's out and people know how good of a story it is. I would say read the comics before the game because I think it'd be more satisfying to read and know the story and see how they adapt it into video games and maybe see mm-hmm. some of these secrets or Easter eggs or things like that as opposed to playing the game first getting the game's interpretation of the Court of Owls, and then maybe in hindsight having the comic ruin the story of the game, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think going in knowing the story from the comics, like its origin, will give you better expectations and a better critical eye for the game than vice versa, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the, I think there's even like a, I don't know what they call it, a collection of those comics now. Um, a trade. But that's Yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully it comes out. We'll see. Like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if it got delayed, but uh, I'm glad to see it have a date finally with all of those WB games being in yeah. the ether. At least one of them has a date. Uh, next up, speaking of delays, Dead Space Remake has been delayed. Uh, it'll be pushed out of 2022, and it'll be now be targeting 2023, early 2023. This is via Jeff Grubb. Now, if you're wondering, well, Jared, that game never really had a date. Technically, yeah, but EA was always pushing for uh, 2022, the end of 2022 with Motive for it to come out. That's another thing if you don't remember. Motive is working on this remake. Um, but I guess internally they figured it would be best to just push it to next year. So now they're pushing for it to come out early 2023, which is fine. We don't need a Dead Space remake coming out in the rush of the fall with all of the video games. I think that coming in the early parts of next year would be a nice little treat for us. Because uh, I definitely want to hop into it. It looks amazing from the little bit we've seen so far. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd rather have the time to hop into it than, like, I'll get to it eventually, and then it gets kicked down the line. You know what I mean? So 
good to see that it's going to have its own time, hopefully. Uh, next up, uh, all of these horror-centric things we're talking about is pretty interesting. Next up, uh, Nakamura's new studio. So if you remember uh, Ikumi Nakamura, she was the very lovable, charismatic uh, woman who came out for Tango Gameworks' initial reveal of uh, Ghostwire Tokyo Dumb. Remember, she was up on stage. Everyone loved her. Then she kind of disappeared for a while. She ended up leaving Tango Gameworks. And then she went like on a, a year-long tour of like the biggest game studios in the world. It felt like she was posting on her social media. Well, that former Tango Gameworks director and E3 fan favorite has announced her new studio. It's called Unseen. She says her studio will be multicultural and its games will focus on her interests in mystery, horror, sci-fi, and the supernatural. She also went on to say that it'll be an international studio, meaning she's hiring from all parts of the world, uh, that you don't have to be a, a Japanese native to be hired there. And uh, this specific quote she had was nice. She said, quote, I want to make a game with characters that reflect real-life personalities and minorities with an open-minded setting that represents multiple cultures. Which means that's really her focus is that she doesn't want it to be a Japanese studio filled with Japanese developers. She really wants it to feel like worldly in that way. Uh, and during the reveal video for her studio, there was a lot of employees shown, and they are from all different walks of life, which is really neat to see. Um, I, I I don't know if you remember, Don, but when she was leaving Tango Gameworks, it was unclear if her leaving had any effect on the development of Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, but then we ended up finding out that she was pregnant, and we assumed that, oh, maybe she left because she wanted to you know, focus on her pregnancy. In that video, she actually talks about how she... She said it in this order. She said, over the last couple of years, I worked to improve my health. I left Tango Gameworks. Then I got pregnant, had my child. So it seems like maybe her health was more of an issue with her job at mm. Tango Gameworks. Who knows if that was physical or mental. It's really none of our business. But it seems like the pregnancy wasn't directly involved. It was her dealing with her own personal health. And uh, a really cool thing is that she said the... The reaction she got at E3 that year is the whole reason she felt she had enough um, in her to make her own studio. If it wasn't from the support of people latching onto her that she didn't think she would have um, the strength to kind of open her own studio and stuff like that. So that's really cool. I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, yeah, it's really nice to see her get her own studio and try to maybe tackle her own game, you know? Yeah, and that's a super ambitious idea. Um, it is not easy to just throw people together from different parts of the world and to get to work on a project together. That's going to be quite the challenge. Uh, I don't want to sound overly skeptical, obviously, because that's, it's also sounds like cool that that's part of the design of the types of games they want to make. Um, it sounded like specific, like a specific project um, was centered around that. So kind of starting your game design in your studio design is kind of a cool idea um so i just yeah i hope it goes well um we'll see what what they can put together i'm sure that they should have uh a, a decent enough time like getting you know publishers on board or, or funding or whatever it is they need hopefully so yeah and you know um many countries are xenophobic right uh america in many ways is xenophobic japan is also very xenophobic in a lot of ways and with her opening it up in this way of her trying to hire people from different backgrounds, maybe she does end up pulling together a team of incredible talent that has maybe wanted to work in games in Japan and hasn't been afforded those opportunities, right? So there's mm -hmm. always that as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm just glad to see another studio. Like we mentioned last week with uh, another studio that had opened, we're constantly worrying about the monopolization uh, and the consolidation of video games. So whenever there's a new studio coming out, it's good to see that happen. Uh, so yeah, good luck to Nakamura and her team at Unseen. We'll see what happens next. Next up. Not if it's Unseen. It, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, next up, an announcement that didn't piss off anybody on Twitter. Uh, Metacritic's 12th annual game publisher rankings came out. So basically this, as Metacritic does with their review scores, it's an aggregate of all of the games Ooh. a specific publisher published. And then it, it kind of ranks them based on that. Have you seen this list at all, Dom? No. Okay, so this will be interesting. I'm gonna work from. Ooh. I'm gonna work. How, how, I don't want to start with one. Okay, I'm gonna do the notables first, which are not in the top ten, and then I'll go from ten to one. Okay. And you'll kind of have a, a elimination in your head of who might be still standing. 
So the notables coming in at 19 is Ubisoft. 19, really? Yep. Coming okay. in at 18, a publisher that a lot of people kind of consider to be the <clears throat> A24 of video games, Annapurna, which is quite shocking. I thought they'd maybe be higher. Because remember, this isn't like AAA. This is basically just review aggregate. Uh, Nintendo comes in at 14, hmm. which is lower than I would expect. What's Square Enix? Said... You said the decade? or No, no, no. Year. Okay. okay. Annual. So this is for 2021. Okay. Square Enix, 12. Thankfully, Babylon's Fall didn't come out last year. They would have probably been way lower. Uh, so now the top 10. Number 10, 505 Games. Number 9, EA. Number 8, okay. Sega. Number 7, Bandai Namco, which is surprising because mm. they publish all of those anime games that are horrid. Number 6, <clears throat> excuse me, Capcom. Now here's the top 5. I actually wrote down the averages so you know the actual score, okay? So you can tell how close it was. Let me let me get some water. Okay, hold on. <clears throat> my, my throat's getting dry from all the salt that's on the internet from this. Uh, number five at a, a an average of 80.2, Bethesda Softworks. Yeah, I was figuring they'd be up here, yeah. Number four, coming in at 80.6, Activision Blizzard. Okay. Sure. Number three, at a score of 80.9, Humble Games. Okay, sure. Which I couldn't even tell you what they published, if I'm being honest. No clue. I mean, yeah, they have, like, the website, right? And they always do, like, all those packages and things, right? That's yeah. I didn't know they published games themselves, I guess, yeah. They were <laughs> purchased by IGN, I think, a couple of years ago, actually. Oh, yeah, that's, I think I, so. that sounds familiar, yeah. I'm going to do number one because I think it's more dramatic than doing number two and the number one. Sure. Number one, at an average of 87.4. Who is it, Dom? I mean, it's Microsoft or PlayStation, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, which one is it? Uh, so this is for 2021. Sony published. Oh, man. Returnal, Ratchet. Yeah. I'm going to say Sony is number one. Microsoft. Microsoft okay. is number one. And here, listen to this gap. So they're 87.4. Sony, 81.3. Okay, so it's not like it was close. <laughs> no, pretty sizable gap. And that's what I was saying. People are salty on the internet. Um, but this is good for Microsoft. As a studio who or a publisher who was once told that they didn't have many games, we've seen with Psychonauts 2, Microsoft Flight Sim, all of these games that they're starting to compete in a real way. And this year, you know, if God of War Ragnarok ends up releasing, it's going to be hard to probably beat uh, um, Sony. But then again, but Bandai Namco is going to shoot up pretty high because didn't they publish Elden Ring? They did. But then to your point, this is All aggregate. the anime games are going to weigh it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, of a boost Elden Ring can give them when they, have, they publish so much stuff, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, because... So Microsoft this year, the big dogs are going to be who? Ghostwire Tokyo. I guess it's going to be weird how they label these things this year with Bethesda fully being incorporated into Microsoft this year. I wonder yeah. if they'll all be one publisher now. Who knows? But if that is the case, they have Ghostwire, they have Starfield, they have presumably Redfall, and then Sony would have uh, Horizon, God mm -hmm. of War, if it releases... And what's another major player I'm missing? I think they have another big game coming out this year. Well, maybe not as big as those two, but yeah. like decently big. And sometimes they publish some third-party stuff, right? When they have yeah, those weird things. So because like is is Microsoft publishing the uh, Cuphead DLC? You know, we don't. I don't know yeah, if that's the case question. or not. Yeah, we'll see. But pretty interesting stuff. I I assume Microsoft and Sony are going to be one and two. Humble Games coming in at number three is wild. I would not have expected that. And Nintendo coming in at fourteen is uh, kind of a shocker too. Um, you said Bethesda nineteen is kind of surprising, but the recent track record they've had not so much, I guess. But Nintendo is like we joke about Bandai Namco and it's easy to point out their misses, but with Nintendo, sure they have misses, but they're not as obvious. Uh, and maybe that's because Nintendo doesn't have, they don't label all of their studios. So you can't really identify easily with all of them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, pretty interesting stuff. The last thing I wanted to cover 
uh, is we got an Xbox info dump that I wanted to go piece by piece and talk about, Dom. So uh, this is also via Jeff Grubb. Uh, on a recent crossover podcast between Xbox Era and Games Beat, by the way, shout out to Xbox Era. They just had their 100th episode of the show and Phil Spencer guested on it. Really cool stuff. Uh, so this is a crossover between Xbox Era and Games Beat. Uh, Jeff Grubb dropped a handful of nuggets revolving around Xbox Game Studios and the Xbox platform as a whole. So here are some of the highlights. Uh, like I said, we're going to go piece by piece. There's four bullet points here, and we'll talk about them and what they mean for Xbox, Dom. Uh, now that they're the number one publisher on Metacritic for 2021. Uh, so first up, he says that we should expect a big E3 showcase again this year for 2022, um, which isn't that surprising of news. But the Xbox might likely diversify into direct and state-of-play style updates as well in 2023. So basically he's saying that he's heard that their internal conversations have been, let's focus on doing the normal thing this year, but since we're going to have a more... Uh, consistent slate of video games that they're going to want to have some multi-year presentations throughout to be able to provide those updates to people. Um, is this surprising to you? I guess for me, the most surprising thing is it's not happening this year. I wish it would. Um, Cause I like, you know, we just talked about the state of play and maybe it wasn't a huge win for PlayStation in general, but it was great for people who are fans of Japanese published video games. And those state of plays are even good for multi-year updates to know how things are going. And I kind of want Xbox to have the same thing. So wh what do you think about this? Is it surprising that it's coming this late, this early? <clears throat> no, it, yeah, it feels like it was, it was inevitable. I, I feel, um, they've been, yeah, they've, they've made sure to emphasize like a big E3 show the past couple of years, uh, when not everyone has done that. Right. So, um, and, and that's not to say like they're holding out because I think that they'll, they'll still continue to do that, you know, at the time of E3 every year. But yeah, I think I think having a consistent, you know, messaging, you know, our line of communication like like the, a lot of the other publishers have now makes sense for them. So um, and I think they're going to do a really cool job at it, too. I'm kind of excited. Um, I think they understand what people, you know want to hear from them and, and how they want to hear it and how to categorize things. Cause we've, you know, many times criticized um, or criticized people who criticize the different state of plays and directs it. Like how were they framed correctly? Were expectations set the right way? Um, all that kind of stuff. Right. It's, we, we tend to nitpick that a lot. And I just think Microsoft, I think Xbox would be able to really excel at uh, pun intended excel at um, it's a Microsoft product excel anyway uh, <laughs> um i think that i think they'll be good i'm looking forward to these well and they also have the built-in uh addition to each of those presentations where they can throw in the upcoming game pass additions which can kind of uh uh pad uh a video right in in a way especially if it's something big like you don't always need to include it but if it's a big drop coming like recently gardens of the galaxy coming to game pass is huge right it's a game not a lot of people played last year that in my opinion was really solid and something that if you're interested in marvel or video games at all was worth playing so that'd be a nice little nugget to throw in there as well speaking of their e3 dom he went on to say this is point number two their their e3 presentation for 2022 is going to have a pillar of three games they're going to focus on the most uh, the first one being Forza Motorsport, which is the game that's expected this year. Uh, it's not going to be Forza Motorsport 7 from the sounds of it. It's going to be kind of like a, a soft reboot of the franchise, which I think is the better thing to do, especially when you get up to something as high as 7. You kind of, I don't know, deter newcomers from joining in. Uh, number two is Redfall. It's a game that we expected this spring, likely getting pushed to the fall. We only really saw that revealed trailer that showed off the characters and the world and the theme. And lastly, obviously, Starfield. Uh, those are the three pillars that he's heard are going to be the focus of E3. Um, obviously, I can assume that both of us are most excited for Starfield and least excited for Forza Motorsport. Um, <laughs> with Redfall, is obviously it's a multiplayer-centric game, so I know you're kind of out on it from the jump. But what could this game show you as somebody who is a fan of... Dang, I'm having a brain fart. Who are the developers of Dishonored and Deathloop? Okay. Arcane, as a fan of Arcane developed games, what could this game do to show you it's something worth your time? Uh, you can play this by yourself and there will be no, 
you know, no degradation of quality when played to the experience. Yeah, that's that's about it. Um, Because otherwise, it's tough, especially even more so when there's more teamwork required, right? Or if it's smaller teams, you might think like, yeah, you know, it's easier because you don't need as many people in your squad or whatever it is. Um, But it's actually, I found it's the opposite. Like I could play um, Call of Duty easier because it's, you know, join in and you can do that by yourself. But when there's the more collaboration that's required, that gets tougher. And so like, especially when it's, you know, these games that are cooperative, um, you kind of need people you know and can communicate well with that kind of stuff. It's not so great for matchmaking. I do think the thing this has going for it is it, it will release day one in Game Pass. And I think a lot of times these multiplayer-centric games that focus on teamwork, the hard thing is they come out for 60 bucks. You can't get your friends to buy, buy it for 60 bucks, or not even just your friends. People in general aren't going to buy it. So the matchmaking player base dies, and you're trying to play the game you enjoyed with randoms at the very least, and there's not even enough people there to continue playing it, right? So and having so- the built-in player base for Game Pass is going to help it. I'm really intrigued to see what it is, but nothing can touch Starfield. Like, I want to know what does the new engine look like? What's the hook here? How does it differentiate itself from Fallout uh, and Elder Scrolls? Um, This game honestly has the same level of hype for me as Elden Ring in that I want this to be one of the best games I've ever played. And obviously, so far from what we played with Elden Ring, if it's delivered on that for almost everybody. Um, and Starfield, I know you and I are a lot higher on Bethesda than the general gaming uh, community. I think Bethesda tends to be a meme. Maybe not like their individual studios, like id Software and stuff, but definitely Bethesda uh, Softworks is a punching bank at this point, uh, undeservedly mm-hmm. so in my opinion. And I think uh, I want them to have a win, a big win, because I do think they're capable of it. They're one of my favorite studios in the world. Um, I've blabbered enough Starfield for you. What, what are your expectations? What do you want to see? What do you feel like going into it as the third pillar of, you know, for a developer you love? Uh, yes. Yeah, same thing because it's much less of a known quantity. We we've gotten some tidbits out of Todd, you know, that, uh, it's going to be, a a space Indiana Jones or whatever he said, or, you know, similar structure, where like you can explore and you know it's this is still in a western rpg and, uh, and a lot of those elements are still going to be here but it, it's so it's such little tiny specks of information we don't really know what the heck this game is going to be um whereas let's look at uh, god of war ragnarok even breath of the wild 2 you know barring some surprise those two games um kind of known quantities right like we we know what to expect and they might and again, that expectation might be exceeded, but we know what we're getting. Starfield is just such a such a mystery still, and I'm excited for <clears throat> something new out of Bethesda. We had gotten into a bit of a cycle with them, right? And like you said, they're a bit of a punching bag lately. But I think there for Starfield, it seems like there's just a, a, a new confidence that that Todd Howard has kind of had, um, exhibited first by the release date. So assuming it doesn't get delayed. And, you know, they announced, what, two years ahead of time, like, oh, no, this is coming out on, um, or a year and a half ahead of time, on November 11th, 2022. Um, and I don't know. It just seemed like they were absolutely confident in that. So I, I feel like this should be a very polished experience, especially compared to other Bethesda games. Um, and it's it's an, it just, I don't know, having a new IP, like, it's something this big, it's, it's exciting. Because, you know, again, even... It, even before Breath of the Wild, um, even before God of War 2018, you know, we, we know what those franchises were. Those two games did things to, to freshen them up and made changes, but like just Starfield being a new IP, um, it's super exciting. Uh, yeah, that's, I think it's going to be tough for any studio to have a more interesting E3 presentation than Microsoft, at least for us. Uh, well, year. especially with Todd Howard's panted run through of the game and overview, those always are brilliant the way he does them. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Dom. The last great multi-platform RPG we got at release was Witcher Three. 
Um, like universally beloved. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean now Elden Ring, but it's Western. Not Western. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess so. I mean, because then you go back. Fallout Four, not Fallout universally 4. beloved. Good game, not universally yeah. beloved. Cyberpunk, terrible yes. launch. <laughs> Mass great. Effect, Andromeda, not great. Like, I can't think of one. I mean, obviously, we've gotten like the Horizons and stuff, but those aren't multi-platform. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we really need a win, a win for anime on this one. But it's Starfield is in a place where, like you said, they were in a pattern of here's a Fallout, here's an Elder Scrolls, here's a Fallout, here's an Elder Scrolls. Right. It's exciting to see something new from this studio, and it is that tough balance that we talk about sometimes where do I want the sequel to something I already love or do I want something new? And with Bethesda, with their recent track record of maybe not hitting it out of the park the way we expected, I think something new is the direction they needed to go. And I am super excited for it and I can't wait to dive in. I think you are too. And, you know, this is, I think, unless maybe God of War Ragnarok comes out, which I still don't believe comes out this year, Starfield to me is the only game right now without playing any other games that I think could compete with Elden Ring for game of the year. Uh, and if it nails it out of the park, I think it has a strong chance. I can't, I can't wait. Um, next up, this is another addition to the E3 showcase. Uh, he said that we should see gameplay of Perfect Dark for the first time, which is awesome. Oh, uh, obviously, this cool. game was shown off as the spiritual successor reboot. It's funny. Perfect Dark, uh, in terms of this development, has a lot of parallels to God of War. It's going to have the same main character, but it seems like everything else around it is going to be shifted in a new direction. Um, So that's really interesting to see that parallel between the two. Hopefully they nail it out of the park the way that God of War did in 2018. I don't know if we have too much to say about this. I wasn't a big Perfect Dark person growing up. This new uh, soft reboot has me interested because, you know, uh, a spy secret agent style game seems like something that could be really fun with a triple A budget behind it. And, you know, people often talk about, well, Tomb Raider is essentially Xbox's Uncharted, even though Tomb Raider was mostly multi-platform, you know, to some extent at some point in time after its release. This, to me, really has a chance to be Xbox's Uncharted, and not that it needs to be an Indiana Jones-style adventure, but that action-adventure third-person game with a huge budget, awesome set pieces, a story that really endears you to its characters. That's what I hope this is. I don't know if I'm more interested in seeing the gameplay or if I'm more interested in seeing like the story trailer, but if we can see gameplay, that's going to be dope, right? At E3, something of the game. Yeah, and I'll and like if anything that Obsidian is doing, I'm down to see what what's going on there. Um. <laughs> the next story point with Obsidian. Okay. Jeff cool. Grubb mentions because remember, Perfect Dark isn't Obsidian. It's uh, the new what's one. that new Perfect studio they one. built? Could you yeah. research that real quick for me? Yeah. Perfect Dark Developer. It's the quadruple A studio they made with all of the really talented developers. I see the logo too. It's like a side. It's like a diamond square. The initiative. The initiative. The initiative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. Uh, but as you were mentioning with Obsidian, this is what gets me excited. Internally, according to Jeff Grubb, Xbox is looking to release Avowed in 2023 as its premier release. Ooh, okay. okay. Yeah, so just oh, yes. a year away. And he went on to say that Perfect Dark is in a weird place where they're unsure if it's going to come out next year or 2024, uh, which kind of makes sense because we've seen lots of that game. But yeah, apparently Obsidian has been working on this game. It's going to be five years this fall, and they kind of want to have it be Xbox wants it to be their premier title next year, which makes sense when you think about if Bethesda is going to be releasing Starfield, what does that mean for uh, Elder Scrolls, right? So they can put this fantasy game here next year. To me, that leaves a bigger question for Fable of like, I wonder when Fable is going to be coming then. Not that you don't you have to worry about them being released too close together because they are different. One's more dark fantasy and the other one's more like comedic high fantasy. Obviously, Fable has its very own unique take on fantasy. But uh, yeah, now if we can get Starfield this fall and then get a vowed next year, who baby we're going to be eating. I'm so excited. Uh, he didn't mention that we would see more of Avowed this year at E3. Um, but I, I would assume that if... Okay, let me take that back. I was going to say, you would assume that if it's coming out next year, we would see more of it this year. 
But with Starfield presumably coming out this year, we have only really seen small trailers. So maybe we get the same thing for Avowed again, and then they do the blowout next year for Avowed the way we assume they're going to do it for Starfield this year. That makes sense? Yeah, I could see that. I could see it being dark entirely, um, at least for E3, right? Maybe in the fall we see something somewhere else uh, for Avowed. Um, and, then, and then next year's E3 obviously would be get the Starfield of 2022 type of treatment for Avowed. But I could see, yeah, Avowed just not showing up at E3 this year. Because, um, like, that's so much already, what we've already talked about. Um, so I you don't i don't think you need it and you probably have a lot of other stuff um smaller stuff um or whatever else to to fill fill out that show with because we that's this is all just xbox's own stuff right and they're just they have so many studios and it's ridiculous so um i wouldn't be surprised if we don't even see about it all this year at e3 i i do think it would be easy to kind of predict that we could see the full retail release of grounded this year like it hits 1.0 oh, yeah. or whatever that is, right? Because it still is an early access technically. I always forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and there, I always read the blog posts of the stuff they add, and that game just keeps getting better and better. It's so cool. And it's one of those games that they don't need to talk about it because they already have that Game Pass built-in audience that loves it and is ravenous for it, that they just post the updates and the people who are playing that game are loving it. And, you know, it's not Minecraft levels of, like, young demographic but it does definitely pull in a bunch of kids who just want to play a fun survival game um you know barring you have like arachnophobia or something but thankfully there's those settings to turn them into like yeah. weird little goo balls spider um whatever it's like xbox like you said has so many games of development right now you know we talked about fable uh we don't really know if outer worlds 2 how iterative it is of the first title right because if it is very iterative, we could see that coming a lot sooner than expected. But if it is a rehaul of the systems in place, that could take a while. We just don't know. Uh, there's all of their RPG studios working on new stuff. Uh, there's so much to keep track of. I mean, Machine Games, What do do we know what they have on the pipeline? We assume it's the next Wolfenstein, right? I don't even know what the last game they released was. Was it the Twins game? Man, I... I don't know. What, what was that game called? I always forget it. The the not well received Wolfenstein. Young Blood. Young Blood. Well, then they had Cyber Pirate the same year in 2019, which was a VR game. Yeah. Are they working on Indiana Jones? They yes, are. That's right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, they also are listed as making Wolfenstein three. Really. Okay. So apparently, I'm looking at this article. That says Bethesda's making Wolfenstein 3 not abandoning single player. And basically it was an interview where they talked to Pete Hines and he confirmed their work on Wolfenstein 3. Okay. Um cool. I don't know how big Machine Games is, but I wouldn't I could see their two of their teams working on each working on those games. Mm-hmm. Um and with uh Todd Howard being such an Indiana Jones fan, I wonder if he kind of wants to make that the primary project over Wolfenstein 3. You know what I mean? Who knows? Not that he, I don't think he's the type that would demand it, but I think maybe he'd, if the teams are working a certain way, maybe he uh, sends more of the workforce towards one over the other just to get it, the project pushed out. Who knows? Um, it is interesting, though, because if you think, uh, I think a realistic expectation too, Dom, could be Redfall gets kicked to early next year. Starfield is the big fall game this year, plus Forza Motorsport. And then you have Redfall next year and then Avowed, right? As like the known quantities. Perfect Dark, I guess, could possibly, but I, I don't know if that game would hit next year with us barely knowing anything. Um, and then there's Fable, and then there's... Is there any game we know about that I haven't covered off the top of your head? Not like first party Xbox. No. Surely oh, you know which one is in development? Could you look up the Avalanche game that they're working on? Is it Contraband? Oh, yeah. Is that yeah, the name of like it? That, that heist game or whatever. From yeah. the Just Cause developers, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know anything about that. We don't know anything about Undead Labs' next game. I, I think it's confirmed to be State of Decay 3, but we don't know when it's coming out. Right. Um, Got id Software 2. Um, it is... I mean, didn't they recently... Was last year the last Doom DLC, I think? 
Yeah, I think they have been doing DLC even in the last year. And here's the thing. we I talked about this in the predictions episode. They could totally fill in spots in their release calendar with like a remaster remake of like Banjo-Kazooie or some of these classic titles they own. Yeah. Um, They could even... I'm trying to think if that would work. They could release like a package that includes the first three crashes and Crash 4 now that they own Activision, but obviously that wouldn't go into effect until next year. So I'm looking at a list real quick. Uh, this is a little outdated, but I'm going to go through it real quick to tell you. So we got Starfield, Elder Scrolls 6, which is far beyond. Redfall. Dead. Oh, De- Deathloop's coming out this year for Xbox the fall in the fall. Oh, yeah, of course. Which is a good release for them as well. Uh, Forza Motorsport, Ghostwire Tokyo would be next year. We said Avowed. We said Outer Wilds 2. We said Perfect Dark. This is a game everyone forgets about, including me, Dom, and I can see this coming out next year too. Senua Saga Hellblade 2. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, I could totally see that coming out next year, especially with the recent... Uh, it was gameplay, right? They confirmed it to be gameplay the with the giant yep. in the cave setting it on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Contraband, which we mentioned. Everwild is like indefinitely canceled, so I'm not going to hold my breath for that. I forgot we already got the State of Decay 3 trailer, Dom. Do you remember it? It was the female hunter in the woods and like a dead deer is like screaming. Oh, like very okay. freaky looking. Okay. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I can't believe we forgot Hellblade 2. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's the cadence next year. It's Redfall if it gets pushed, Hellblade 2 in the middle of the year, and then Avowed at the end. Pretty good lineup. Um. That's pretty much it for this week's show in terms of the news. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Like I said, we probably won't go too long on, El- on Elden Ring. Man, my, my mouth always wants to say Elder Scrolls when I say yep. start a word with Elden. Because uh, I want to get to the spoiler cast eventually, but we can both give our brief experiences this week. Wasn't able to log too much time, maybe like four hours. So I'll give you a brief rundown of the way my, my week worked. I like, I've been doing a journal dump to keep track of the stuff I'm doing because this game is like yeah. so expansive. So, hold on, I'm pulling up my journal here. Let's see. So, oh, I met this uh, blood hunter named Vera, I believe his name is. He is a uh, an NPC you meet between the lake, the, the first lake that you spawn near, and uh, Murkwater Cave and Murkwater Catacombs. Okay, okay, okay. So he's like a, a ninja-looking guy, right, with a round hat? Yeah, so basically mm-hmm. he helps you fight the invading spirit. Yep. And then afterward, he's in the little underpass that you can go through standing there and you talk to him. Really mm-hmm. cool, very interesting character. Uh, did you happen to go into – have you gone into Murkwater Catacombs or Murkwater Cave yet? I did, did you? <laughs> yes. So we ran into our boy, Patches, right? Yeah, we did. Patches showed up. Uh, did you spare his life or did you kill him? I spared him. because I mean, you know, historically – he becomes a valuable merchant right after he yeah. uh, tries to screw you over. But a great twist, I thought, for this game. Um, they changed it up where you actually kind of are caught stealing from him. Um, more, I mean, who knows where he got his... Or he kind of talks about how he's still stealing from other people, whatever. So it's not like it was his stuff. But yeah, you just kind of go um, through this little cave system and go to open a chest like you do in a video game. And kind of makes you double take like shit this isn't my stuff i'm just kind of looting out here and patches shows up and lets you know like oi mate you you you're taking my stuff and it's a boss battle it was it was hilarious um and he's tough he beat me like three times it took me a couple tries but i um, have to get him halfway health halfway of his health down though and then the fight kind of ends it's, <laughs> it's a fun thing he's like no no spare me yeah. did you when you went back and he was a merchant did you open that other chest that was near him no, you know what? I I haven't gone. I need to go back because yeah, I I haven't actually seen what he's selling. So so part of my story is going to spoil a little bit of what he's selling, but it's not a spoiler because you already beat Marget, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he sells an item that helps you stun Marget in the fight. Um, it's okay. called like Marget's Bell or Marget's something or another. It's like five thousand runes, I think. Um, but he has another chest there, and if you open it, you get teleported to an end game zone. <laughs> And uh, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, there's <laughs> plenty about, of those in this game, obviously. Yeah. I talked about ac- me accidentally finding a portal um, that did something similar, teleported me. And 
That one I had coming because I just, you know, it, it asked me if I want to teleport to somewhere I'd never heard of and I did it. But yeah, I have found a different chest in just a random bandit camp that teleported me somewhere else. Um, <laughs> same kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I did find the uh, customizable flask finally. Okay, good. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's It's a bit of an adventure. I found it on the east coast on the seaboard, like near a dragon statue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After you like, you fight a couple of crabs or something. Um, I'm trying to think of the other stuff I actually want to mention. I wanted to mention patches. We went through that. Uh, was there any other bosses I fought? Oh, so, you know when you first when you first start the game and you come out of the building and there's the, the side of Grace in front of you? And then to your left, there's the ocean and then a little island? Mm-hmm. So I made my way down to the coast. There's a little cave you can go through. And in there are like these, I think they're called like demi, like demi-human beast men or something. Yeah. There's like two of them. These. It's like a double boss fight. Uh, okay. And once you defeat them and you walk through the cave, you actually end up on the other island. And that too is like a ritual thing where you can uh, be blessed by whatever is there. Uh, it's like a statue. Um, what is it, it a dragon? Actually, like a covenant? I think it's a dragon. Or a woman or something. I don't remember exactly. Okay. It's a covenant post. You know what I mean? It's like join this covenant or whatever. Um, that's the only way to get to that island. Uh, other than that, the, the main thing I want to focus on, because like I said, this game's so expansive. I don't want to ruin everything because we're both exploring in different ways. So, uh, Margit or Margit. I don't really. What's his official pronunciation? Do you know? I don't know. Let me find out really quick. Margit. Margit. I mean, it's spelled Margit. M-A-R-G-I-T. So. Yeah. And he doesn't announce himself either. I am Margit. Right. Um, while you're looking that up, I'll basically say, I went to go fight him. Uh, and the thing I've noticed is this game seems to be in a way, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of my ass on this, much more dependent on your class dictating the boss fight than other Souls games I've played. Because from what I've seen, if you're a magic user to any extent this fight is much easier than if you're a sword and board type person uh i myself am playing as a sword and board person and this fight was pretty difficult to begin with i fought him like maybe five or six times just straight up by myself uh learning his patterns obviously a second phase he gets the hammer and i was just struggling with it for some reason or another and Obviously, this isn't no different than most Souls games. So then I summoned, uh, who's the computer NPC? He's like a wizard or something that you yeah. can summon. Grudge, uh, the sorcerer. Yeah. So I summoned him, uh, got him practically down to like 90% health, didn't get it. Tried again, got him down to like 80% health, didn't get it. Tried. I tried him like 20 times, just using different strategies, using different stuff, having a really hard time with it. Um, and then my final run... I basically summoned the wizard dude, got him down to like half health, then called out the dogs. And the the dogs don't really help in that fight. They're much more of a distraction. They don't even really do damage at all. Um, but it was able to give me some opportunities to get some big power attacks on his backside and stun him and get the, um, what do they call the critical strikes in this game? Yeah, I don't know. In Bloodborne, they're visceral attacks, but I'm not sure what they're called here. But you know, know how he gets like, he drops to a knee and then mm-hmm. you can... Uh, yeah, visceral him, and I beat him. So I'm I, I'm basically now at the entrance of uh, Stormvale Castle. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. I talked to the weird dude standing at the front that's like locked up. To like go through the side, don't go through this way. Ran into those annoying birds with like the oh. Wolverine claws. Yeah, just <laughs> and, and just sat at the side of Grace right after them. So that's where I'm at. I did a lot of exploring in the rest of the map. Uh, Rewent to some locations that I had gone previously, found some new spots. I'm currently at level 29, heading into Stormvale Castle. So I don't know if, what level you were when you headed in. You, I think you beat uh, Margit earlier than I did. Yeah, I think I was a couple levels lower than that. But um, it's a it's a big castle. You, you could spend a lot of time working through that. So <clears throat> there's a lot going on. And the uh, the next boss you come up on too is is pretty challenging and has a cool twist i obviously won't tell you oh you'll find out is it deep into the castle is it relatively soon from entering the castle no it's a little ways and it's okay it's like the castle is kind of like it's kind of like the undead parish or or you know or the uh or yarnum and bloodborne where it's 
it's definitely designed to be like the first tough level gotcha. in the game where you're going to spend significant time it's not quite as generous with you know save points or uh, rather sites of grace all over the place there's some you know it's not, it's not terrible but um i think it's very clearly designed to be like you're kind of you're coming of age um for new people especially in this game where like i, I could see that and it's good it's cool though so dope uh what were your experiences like this week just surface level and any big moments you wanted to mention so i did what i said and um because i had so when we last talked I, I had finished everything in in Stormvale, um and obviously like i had found that i had had, had already actually found a shortcut around the castle that you could just use so you don't have to go through the castle i'm sure you do you know for end game stuff or like to advance the story at some point you probably need to have beaten that boss but you don't have to go in that castle if you don't want to right away <laughs> fyi because after i go through it come out the other end i was like oh i've already been to this site of grace i just came around here to the side <laughs> you know so that's kind of what's cool about um this game as opposed to previous FromSoft games like that's that wasn't a thing i didn't take full advantage of it but um it's just it's just different i guess it's pretty cool so but yeah i doubled back um explored that first area i i intentionally went to the teleported myself to the very first side of grace walk forward because i'm like where is the tree sentinel because i missed him somehow when i first started <laughs> and lo and behold yeah he's like almost directly in front of me yeah slightly off to the right <laughs> comes charging at me so um takes me a couple tries but i eventually take his ass down and, and that's fun and stuff but um yeah i just spent a bunch of time exploring around um around that first area um Got some great weapons. Got a new staff. I'm doing this magic um, build, which you're right. Um, this game is very much um, certain builds are going to be way easier for certain parts, and vice versa, right? Uh, and so magic sometimes really helpful, sometimes not so much. But um, yeah, I, you know, leveled up a bunch. I beat. So did you go into the lake area in the beginning, and did something happen to you there? Yeah, the dragon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I haven't fought yeah. him. I just saw him. I was like, oh god, and then I ran away. I didn't even attempt to see how much damage I did because I was, at that point, I was trying to get enough souls for something. I can't. Maybe one of the cookbooks or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely just destroyed that dragon. It was very satisfying. Um, just like it was like six spells. Um, oh wow. Uh. I got magic. I got intelligence pretty well leveled up at this point. I just absolutely shredded that dragon. Um, it was great. It was a, it was a great time. <laughs> um, but it's like a whole different thing when you can ride around on a horse and fight that boss. Because in previous games, when you fight giant dragons, you're you're small and slow. And so it's pretty tough, especially when they have giant AOE attacks, right? And so that's a little bit easier now. And then, of course, being able to cast is just icing on the cake. But yeah, um, just spent a bunch more time. I, I cleared out that fort that that guy was yelling about, Fort Hate. Oh, Fort um, Hate, yeah. Um, and then I, I go back and and, and talk to that guy, and I can't remember, I can't even remember what he gave me. But then he shows up in the fort, and and he's he's all upset. He, he says it looks like junk and i don't know he wants me to go do something else he wants me to find something or someone i can't remember i was kind of over it at that point but i'm sure i'm sure that quest will continue i'll figure it out so um, interesting when i went back he was dead really yeah i went back to look for him and he was just on the floor dead so maybe yeah. i didn't go look i didn't go talk to him soon enough after i cleared the fort or something but yeah he was what dead chump. what a chump I don't want to say that because you had, I didn't know if you had done the quest yet. Whoops. And for you yeah. saying, like, yeah, he was there and he was complaining to me. I'm like, well, he didn't complain to me. He was on the floor lifeless. Because, so. like, he's like, yeah, I'll meet you back there and I'll knight you. and You'll become a knight or whatever. Because um, he thinks that he's going to be the next ruler. Lord or whatever, yeah. I'm like, and I'm just like, you're a chump, man. You're not going to rule shit. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I get there and he's like, well, I can't possibly knight you here. This place is in complete disarray. I don't need your respect. I just was, <laughs> I was moody. Um, but yeah, what else did I do? Um, 
that yeah, that four has some dope environmental storytelling though with like the giant dog beast at the front door just like dead yeah i, I wasn't sure what that was it was just, it just looked like a big to me, it felt like a siege. Like that's the reason he lost it in the first place. Like the the fort got uh, had a siege, and that thing broke through the door. They killed it, and then the rest of those enemies occupied it. You know, like maybe the dude that you killed that has the the blood loss thing. Maybe he was in my mind. He was like riding it or something. It was his mount because it seemed like a mount of some sort. So, okay, yeah, I, I might have to. I mean, I'm sure I'll be back there to fix it up for this guy, Kevin, <laughs> whatever his name is, when he's crying um, again yeah but yeah i didn't i didn't like i went a little bit into the area past the castle um just to grab some stuff and just explore a little bit uh there's a lot of there's some weird portals um out here i stepped on one portal and uh and it transported me to this arena where i fought one boss and then and then it transported me out I was like, oh, okay interesting i don't know exactly what or why happened there but um could be Got some good loot. The there's just have you been down to the Sofria Siofra or Soifra River yet? I don't think so. It doesn't sound familiar. So south of the area where you get the customizable flask, there's like a giant herd tree that you can like go to. Mm-hmm. And near that's a little like domed building. And if you go down the elevator in the domed building, it takes you to Siofra River. And it's a place I was talking about last week where it feels like a completely different area and the skybox is like a purple and black galaxy. It's crazy looking. Um, yeah, that that's one of the places where you can also, there's a teleporter in there that can teleport you from somewhere else as well. Very weird. I have a question for you real quick. You know the beginning area where you first start the game where you talk to the dude in the chair and he tells you to go down to the tutorial area? Mm-hmm. When you first started the game... Was there anything weird about standing in that place? Things you saw, noises you heard, anything of note? Because when no. I first started the game, there was nothing. It was kind of like dead silent. Yeah, I don't So here's anything. the weird thing. Okay. I go back to that area, and I use one of the stone sword keys I picked up to unlock that fog gate that was there. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Oh, okay. I might do so this I, Yeah, I unlock it, and there's an area to go down. I don't want to spoil it. We can talk about that next week. But the moment I activate that door, I backtrack back down those stairs to where that dude was sitting, and it is the most haunting, terrifying sounds I've ever heard in a From Software game. Damn. There's like two dozen people screaming in agony and dying. And I'm like, oh, did weird like undead spawn here or something? I go around the whole room with my torch, don't see anybody. In some sections of the room, they get real loud. In other sections of the room, they go down to like an ASMR whisper. It was the freakiest thing. I was like, what is going on right now? And then I left. I was like, this is That's so freaky. Because in my mind, I was like, was my sound bugged when I started the game? And this is just what it was naturally sounded like? That's what I was asking you because it was terrifying. I was like, what is going on? No, that's interesting. Now, I might I might look up like a video of uh, someone's or just start a new save or whatever and see if it's like that. But I don't remember anything like that. Me That's neither. And this is very noticeable. Like you actually notice it. You know, there's like two staircases. You go up from the guy in the chair up to the first side of grace in that little mm-hmm. room. Right. So as you're walking down the stone staircase, which is the first one from the top, you hear it loud. And then as you go down and then you go into the big room, it gets louder and louder. It's awful. Goodness. I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, before we close out, is there anything else you wanted to mention? I know we kind of want to be hush hush on bosses because you're the way yeah. we're handling things is a di- you know a bit different, so we don't want to spoil each other on anything. No, I mean I, I was surprised at how much um, time I kind of just spent just Wandering. checking shit out. Like this yeah. game has a lot more uh, loot and like rewards all over the place. It does what Breath of the Wild did, which is like, oh that's a funny shaped rock. What's going on here? Uh, or like that's a weird little hut or shack and you go check it out and then there's something going on and you figure it out and you get rewarded in some in some kind of way um sometimes you know it's a whole shrine or whatever like that's what's going on here but it's just it's way it's even more inviting and uh, to explore because things are um so difficult right because everything's hard and so you want more stuff and there's just there's just so much more loot and and feedback that it gives and I don't know. Everything I you just walk around. And it doesn't take long. And you find something interesting. 
it's 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 really interesting. Uh, say interesting again, but <laughs> to yeah. your point, because it's open world, don't do you feel like you're meeting a lot more interesting NPCs as well? Because I feel like so there's many more. per area, there's a lot more people you're mm-hmm. being introduced to that are really cool. Like there's the girl at the first site uh, site of grace before you fight uh, Margit uh, that that gives you the jellyfish summon. Oh, I forgot. I was going to talk about that. That I I love my jelly, man. <laughs> um, I haven't. I've used the jelly. I've used the wolves. I haven't used the five like villagers. I picked up that one, mm-hmm. and then I found one for you know the annoying ass skeleton wizards. They like stand up on a thing and they just shoot down a spell at you. I, yeah. Are they wearing like yeah. yellowish robes or something? Yeah, I found mm-hmm. a summon for one of those dudes, which I don't know how useful that would be. And then I just came across—I uh, don't want to say what it is because I don't want to spoil it for you—but I came across a, a graveyard filled with jellyfish, like a lot of jellyfish. And there's a summon you can get there too, which has a specific name of a character. So that's why I don't want to say it because I don't want to spoil okay. it for you. But uh, like. Vera was interesting. That girl was interesting. There's so many people you're running into that are like in normal souls games, you maybe get like one, maybe two of those per like area. And because it's open world, there's so many of these people hidden in nooks and crannies Uh, down at the, so imagine you're walking out of the first building to the side of grace. Okay. And up into your left is the cave where the cat gargoyle is. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. To the left and bottom of them, you know, there's that giant beach that you can go down yes. to? Yeah. Did you go down there? No. Should I? So there's a thing there that I haven't figured out what to do, and I wonder if you would be able to figure it out. I caution, you have to beat one of the big troll dudes with the sword in his back to, like, get access down there because he kind of patrols it. He's not that hard. You're a higher level than me, I assume, or at least around my same level, and I didn't have an issue with him. Especially with your magic, you should destroy him. Down on the actual beach down there you'll see light and it'll be like, oh that's weird what's going on there and then you'll come upon it and i want you to report back to me next week because <laughs> okay. something's going on there and i can't figure it out and i wonder if maybe you might be able to because we have slightly different builds so i'll have to check that out yeah there's there's just so much going on here and i feel like i've barely pushed through the story um just found a bunch of interesting places and npcs and yeah, it's just it's just fun, and I think we're gonna be at this for a while. <laughs> it's yeah, like... our, our our weekly Elden Ring catch up. Yeah, one thing I noticed uh, in terms of the narrative, it's weird how your maiden has the the ice tattoo scratch thing on her left eye. Right? Is it her left eye? Yeah, it is her left eye. Yeah, and the witch that you run into that gives you the summoning bell has it on her right eye. I didn't even notice that one. Okay. I wonder if they're like it's a weird thing like they're one in the same, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because one has it on one eye, one has it on the other. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about the like King Arthur's Round Table area is super cool. Yeah, I was gonna ask if you got there yet. I couldn't remember when it first sent me over there. Don't I- hug the lady. Oh, I already did. So it. So she gives you a permanent debuff, okay? That eliminates five percent of your health, and there's really? no way to get. Yeah, there's no way to get rid of it unless you eat the blessing that she gives you. It's a it's a BB. So it's like a Balakon's blessing or Balaklov's. It's something with a B blessing. If you eat that or take it, it'll give you a buff for a certain amount of time. And then once the buff goes away, her curse goes away. But yeah, it was a thing I didn't know about that gives you a, it gives you minus 5% of your total health. Yeah, I guess I didn't even pay attention. I knew it. After I did it, it gave me something, but I just shrugged it off. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, so I follow a guy on YouTube named Maka who does, like, achievement videos. And he tweeted, don't hug this woman. <laughs> I was like, that's, you know, the weird tweet. So I looked into it. And he's like, yeah, don't hug her. She gives you this debuff and all. Yeah, so. Dang. Very interesting. Um, I think that's it for this week's show. Those are Elden Ring Weekly Update. We'll be back next week. Um, oh, I'm uh, 10 hours in. How far are you? I'm not even sure. Probably double that. Um, I'm up to like level 37 or 8 or something like that. I'm level 28. So yeah, 10 hours, 28. Give or take 20 hours, 38. Uh, 
I can't wait to get Chris on the show too because he's been playing and he's the least Souls person of us. So I'm kind of interested to see his take on yeah. it as well. Yeah, me too. Um, that's it for this week's show. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on Twitter. It's CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. That's our collective Twitter account. Individually, you can follow Dom at OBDomKenobi. The O and OB is the number zero, not the letter O. Shout out to that new teaser trailer. Uh, you can follow me at Jared Weich, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. On YouTube, search Controlled Interest. will pop right up. Subscribe so you never miss a video. Like the podcast if you enjoy it. Dislike it if you don't. Comment. Let us know what you think of Elden Ring. And uh, if you're not playing Elden Ring, what Xbox exclusive are you looking forward to the most? Other than that, you can search us on Spotify. If you do listen on Spotify, please leave us a review. It helps us move up so more people discover us on that platform. Uh, and stop listening to Joe Rogan. <laughs> other, other than that, we'll catch you guys next week uh, with more Elden Ring, uh, likely. See you guys then.